0: And what that means is he's left me to open the word of God with you, which is an absolute privilege. And I feel like God's been speaking to me or teaching me a lot (laughs) in a short space of time. And uh, just to give you a recap of where we've been as a church family, we began this year looking at our essentials, which is a uh, kind of reframing of our church family values. So our essentials, we've called them this because we want you to get across that they're not just valuable, but they're absolutely vital which means we want to hold on to these. Despite what goes on in our lives, despite the storms, despite the darkness or the valleys we go through, we want to hold on to our church family values. And we looked over those in the past three weeks. are three things, spirit-filled living, having a spirit-filled life, wholehearted worship, and then finally last week, I got to share, remotely from home, <laughs> I got to share on authentic relationships. These are things, church family, even if we're not doing the essential series, um, still continued in that way, these are things we're, we're going to be looking at throughout. This year, in 2022, this is God's word for us. To become what the Lord has asked this house to become, this family to become, those things are vitally important. And we will not move until those things are really embedded into us. They can't just be things that we believe, but they have to move into our life. And so actually to help with this, what we're moving into now is a series in 1 Corinthians. Well, at least part of 1 Corinthians. And we're calling this... Essential matters. And uh, you'll understand why in just a bit as we give an overview to Corinthians. But actually, this idea and concept that throughout our lives, despite our beliefs, our beliefs need to be lived out in our behaviours, in our day-to-day practices, in the matters at hand. So throughout various matters, throughout various situations and circumstances we're in, we need to live out according to our family values, according to the values that the Lord has led us in. And so we want to get practical with this. And what better way to get practical than looking at a church that was going through some of the matters they faced, which, hey, guess what? Even though it was like 2,000 years ago, there's still matters that we deal with today. And actually, probably even more so in the limelight or in, you know, the media, um, it's grabbed our attention. So, just wanted to start with an overview to 1 Corinthians. And you'll see on uh, the screen just a bit of slides. So there, there are many matters, many topics, and we're not going to uh, finish all of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians before Easter. We're going to have to take a break to get into the Easter message. Although, let's face it, every message, if it's really a message, has the Easter story somewhere in there. Um, so we're going to look at Corinthians. And Corinthians starts off with various topics and one of them being church division and and, uh, leaders and leadership and issues there. Actually, I'm going to call that one and start that one today about ego. So there's a matter of ego and church leadership. And then from that place, we're going to move into uh, matters of casual sex and relationships. We're going to spend a couple of weeks on that actually. And Helen Roberts is going to minister the word in that time. We're going to look at arguments Arguments prevalent within the church, but also in the church trying to face and reach the world. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to spend a couple of weeks in marriage. Tim and myself are going to be sharing the word in that uh, portion of the matter. And then following that, we've got other things that move on into like idols and freedoms and responsibilities. So I think that uh, takes us up to nearing chapter 10 or 11, where we're going to take a pause, but we will come back to it. But these are some of the matters at hand. And just as an overview, through the book of First Corinthians, what you'll see is it actually starts with a message about bringing people's focus to the crucifixion and the cross, which we're going to be looking at today. And it ends in chapter fifteen, sixteen about the resurrection. And then in between all of that, there's all these matters. And now throughout these different matters as well, you'll see threads, you'll see topics, you'll see themes of, um, of things about wisdom and folly or God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. You'll see matters to do with unity and because so much of the stuff going on are relational problems, you'll see the importance of unity. First Corinthians is such an amazing letter. I mean, hey, it's scripture, but you've got, you've got this chapter in there all about love. Love is patient, love is kind. You've got um, the representation of the church being God's building, but also his field. You've got direction about loving and preferring your brother and sister rather than yourself. These run through the book, and just wanted to highlight those. And it's really worth getting into the scriptures together and reading them as part of our daily plan. And we're coming to the end of our. Daily Reading bookmark at the moment, but you can pick up new ones downstairs, uh, I believe, today. So please check on reception for the next reading. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's open up the letter of 1 Corinthians. um, And we're going to be reading from chapter 1 into chapter 2. So chapter 1, verse 26 is where we'll start and we'll finish in chapter 2, verse 5. And just to let you know, this was a letter written by Paul the Apostle to the church of Corinth. And uh, he visited the church, kind of helped found the church. And you can read more about that in Acts chapter 18, where he spent a year and a half there then he left, and then stuff went mad. And so he had to write a couple of letters, send a couple of people, and he even visited back and forth um, a couple times more. But we're going to read from verse 26. Let's do this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me. This is Paul speaking. Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you and uh, the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Uh, just before this part in the context, there was Paul is mentioning about certain divisions or factions or groups in the church, and they're um, saying, Oh, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or oh, I follow Peter, or, I, and so forth. And so in this addressing of it, Paul talks about the crucifixion. Talks about, he talks about the cross and he says, look to the cross. Throughout all the issues we see presented in First Corinth, well, the, the letter of First Corinthians, there is a lot really beneath all of that. If that's all the fruit, beneath all that in the root, the root issue seems to be there's a lot of ego here. There's a lot about me, me, me and look at me. When I was younger, I really liked playing basketball Um, and it was a sport I grew up learning to play partly by myself. I never really joined a a, um, sporting group to do that. I I joined some clubs at school, but I never joined a club where you were taught it. I learned it mainly from videos and also just playing down the park where it would be known as street ball because it's only half court. And I got to a point where I thought I was actually quite good, you know. And there's a, there's a point where actually, when you're playing basketball in the street, it's not simply about getting the basket. That's a goal, by the way, for those who don't know the term. That to, it wasn't just about scoring the point. It was about making your opponent look stupid. That's what it was about. It was about mockery. You'd be crossing the ball through your legs, and the plan would be you'd try and pull it through your opponent's leg and get the ball back. You'd bounce it off their forehead. You would roll it off their back. There was even a move I learned where you would roll on the floor whilst bouncing the ball, which would be really infuriating for people. I remember going to Bible college and there wasn't a hoop there. And I was like, oh, we can't have this. And uh, my my best contribution with my three years at Bible college was a basketball hoop. And, um, And I helped people learn the game, the sport, and it was fantastic. Well, after I graduated from Bible college, I came back. I, I lived here before that, and I came back, returned to my home church, my hometown. And um, I remember there was a young person um, when I left, and still a young person when I got back, and he asked uh, to hang out. And I was, I was like, well, let's go play basketball. <laughs> I will school you at basketball. And we went, and remember, bearing in mind, it wasn't like I'd stopped. I played at, bas- uh, at college, and uh, we went to the park, and we started playing basketball, and I don't know what happened, guys. I lost 11-1. The guy absolutely destroyed me. And I think the one point I got was a pity point, and if, I don't know, if you don't know what that is, that's when they're literally like, go on, go on, go on, score, score. Um, and uh, this guy is actually known, uh, He he's Ma- Matthew Gomez, he's Kev's son. And uh, I remember, you know, when you lose that badly, thankfully there wasn't many people watching. Oh my word. But there, there's two things you could do. You could go for the rematch, which I didn't do, because <laughs> I was crushed and tired. But um, the other thing you can do is not make a big deal out of it. Oh, yeah, oh, he won't. No, it, didn't. it doesn't phase me. And so I did that. But I went home a broken man. <laughs> it was so hard to take. And you know what? I know it was hard to take because I dwelled on it. And Matthew, you don't know this. So, sorry, but there you go. You can have that over me. I was ruined by that. And actually, having a conversation with God about it, because it was just one of those things I couldn't get, get out of my head. I remember God saying... Stop looking at you. Stop looking at you. And that's what we're going to try and do today. To stop looking at me. Ego says, look at me. Ego says, it's about me. And God's saying, stop looking at you. And what you'll see from the Apostle Paul here, actually, there's actually a command and instruction to look at him. And not just him. This is what I love about it. Because a lot of the time, just to help people, we simplify things and say, follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. And that's absolutely a mansion for my life, follow Jesus. But it's not just look at him. Look at the cross. Notice, following Jesus means a life that led to the cross. Didn't end there, but let's not forget the cross and jump straight to resurrection, let's realise that cross was part of Jesus' journey. Let's realise Jesus came under authority. Name above all names, King of kings, Lord of lords, from heaven he came, lived under authority, lived under the authority of the word, (laughs) lived under the authority of his parents, his earthly parents, according to what's in the word, In the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours. Jesus came and didn't even do it his way. Frank Sinatra gets to do it his way. (laughs) But even Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, didn't do it his way. Did it the Father's way. And so here in this passage, Paul is giving them a bit of an ego check. He's not coming to stroke their ego, even though you'll hear about all later on, or when you read this, the amazing spiritual church, all the gifts, all this kind of supernatural stuff going on. But he didn't come to stroke their ego. He came to give them an ego check. Now, something to help you understand the background or the audience of his letter, the Corinthian church at the time, was um, you have to know Corinth is in Greece. And so you can understand there's philosophy, there's learning, there's all this stuff you could uh, uh, hear of. And so what I've done, I've done a map. I know it's not that clear. But you see, there's Greece there, so you've got Italy here, and you've got Turkey there. Ephesus is in Turkey there. Rome here, so you can track the letters. And Corinth is here in the middle part of Greece. And it's actually on a strip of land, or a bit inland, where it's very narrow, It's very narrow. And so there's sea on either side of this narrow bit of land. And therefore lots of sailors, lots of merchants, lots of business people were going through Corinth. It was actually probably the fourth largest city and economic city location of the first Century, And you see, what people did, rather than sailing round the whole of Greece, they'd take this shortcut, where they'd go in the boat up to Corinth or the port near Corinth, and then they'd move their stuff across the land, and then it jumped jump back on a boat on the other side, and then they carry on their journey. In fact, now to this day, I don't know when. It wasn't at the time of Corinth. Um, somebody cut, or you know, people cut through that land, so you can see. If you put the picture back up, you can now see today there's actually a passage, a very narrow passage, where people can go in a smaller boat and make it through the land. Um, this place was thriving. In fact, before Corinth, the one we're talking about now, there was Corinth, which was under the Greek Empire, which was destroyed. And then it was remade by the Roman Empire. And uh, so you can imagine just uh, a mixing pot, a hot pot of culture. And just outside Corinth on a a hill, there was a big temple. I think it's the Temple of Venus. And um, there, there was lots of priestesses. Lots, hundreds. And part of the worship process, other than sacrifice, was that men would go up to the temple and have sex with a priestess, and that was worship. In fact, that's what they would do in their day. They'd go for a meal, and I guess a bit of entertainment would they go up to the temple? And get this maybe within the local Christian church there, that was seen as okay, because we're free to do whatever, right? That was the thinking, that was the logic. It's really humbling for me to think that as somebody who cares about the church, thinking about Paul, the amazing Paul, his missionary journeys, how influential he was. Look at the state of the Corinthian church that he was part of. I mean, I would have written it off. I'd been like, don't go there. Oh, no, no, no. But Paul cares about God's church, God's family. He has grace and patience with them. And he encourages them and he encourages us today to look at the cross. And so the first point I want to share about today is look at the cross and see God's grace. God's grace for us all. See, the Corinthian people had ego. Look at me. Look at all this stuff around us. They were self-made people. Most of them were kind of like ex-slaves that made their way out of it. So there was this thing of, I've worked hard. I've earned my way. I'm no longer a slave. And I'm a business person. I'm doing bits. I'm making work happen. And they even had this bit of competition. Athens is just down the road. Athens was full of all these noble people and intellectuals. Whereas this was the self-made person in Corinth. Ego. It's about me. And here in this passage, Paul says, remember what you were. Remember what you were. When you were called. I just want to take some time there. Remember what you were. See, it's not all your clever understanding. It's not moving from a a low place, socially, economically, to a high place. It's not about that that has nothing to do really with where you are in your relationship with God. Look at where you were. You were a sinner. And actually, from the context, it looks like you were from a low place with low understanding, maybe foolish, because you see later on in the passages it goes on, God chose, God chose, God chose, right? But look who you were. Yet, yet you were called. See, whilst all of us, we're sinners, following our selfish desires, our life without God, you know? Jesus died on the cross for us whilst we were still sinners, not whilst we were good, not whilst we were clean, not whilst we were purified. Whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us, not because of our performance, not because of anything we've earned, not because we were worthwhile in our own eyes, So why? Because God loves. And he's faithful. And he is kind. And he is good. And his goodness and faithfulness and kindness and generosity isn't based on your performance. Isn't based on what you make of life. Whilst you were still sinners. And here's the thing. You didn't call yourself. God called you. Wow. How humbling. Oh, ego check right there. And you know what? As a Christian, as somebody who's journeyed in my Christian life a bit, and yes, I would like to think I've grown in my Christian walk with Jesus, it's so easy for me to think because of the good things I've done. Oh, God saved me because he knew the good things I will do in my life when he saved me. No. No, it's not because of the good things. I do that in response and out of faithful service because I love God, but it's got nothing to do with me being saved. It's got nothing to do with me. It's all about him. David, stop looking at yourself. Look at me. Look at Christ. Look who called you. Look who chose you. And then if this wasn't strong enough, as the passage continues, it says, it is because of him. It is because of God." not because of me you know when i think of all the so when you just start thinking of examples of people of faith through the bible you know and you've got you've got in hebrew some 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 of those that list of people of great faith you think of all the amazing things they've done you start thinking about what they've done right and you're like oh wow i don't know about you i compare myself like oh god how would i ever be like that how would i ever do what they did you know She's thinking about Abraham like starting that journey and you've got Joseph and you've got Moses and David. You've got people like Deborah and Ruth. How? how? And, And God encourages me in these reflections when I get over my kind of worldly wisdom and worldly perspective that actually it's not about what they did or didn't do. It's not about what you have done or haven't done. It's simply about your faith in him your relationship with God it's not about you in what you think say and do so much as your faith and belief in him ego says look at me look at what I've accomplished look what I've done even in the name of Jesus and for Jesus look what I've done and Jesus is really humbling he says it's not about you it's not about what you've done but it's about my grace it's about my faithfulness I want to encourage you today is word from the Lord is, it is about grace. And when we look at the cross, we have to understand that God chose us. Jesus chose us. And the way he chose us is through the cross. That's how much you're valuable and worthwhile to him. He loves you and he adores you that he would give his one and only son. King of heaven, never done anything wrong who is the name above every name, died on a cross because of grace, because he loves you. Again, ego check. It's not because of you. It's not because of what you're going to do. It's not because of what you haven't done or what you will do. It's because of God. It's because of his grace. Paul goes on to share in this passage about this first chapter two, verses two. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the point I wanted to bring out today. Again, look at the cross. Look at the cross grace. Look at the cross. Not just look at Jesus. Not just look at the great life he lived and the teachings and things. Look actually at the life of submission. Look at the life of servanthood. Look at the life of choosing his father's way over his own. And this is what the Corinthian church You'll see, put into the matters later on, is asked to do, to follow his example. Not about you, about him. It's not about your ego. It's not about looking to you. It's about looking to him and looking also to Christ and the crucifixion. So Paul comes and again I, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked here because, from what I've understood so far in my journey of studying scripture and looking at Paul, Paul was somebody you don't want to mess with, right? I feel like if Paul rocked up in our church today, I'd be so intimidated. I'm like, oh man, oh man. And I'm showing some of my insecurities there, just, just being real with you. But look in this passage look, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. He's not a coward. But just the humility here. <laughs> He's following Christ. You know, in, in Corinthians, you get the, the, the passage where Paul says, follow me, copy me, not just because I'm a good person or because, you know, I do good things or I've achieved great things, so you can trust me. Follow me as I follow Christ, as I imitate Christ. Not slightly like him, but become as much to the Christ that Jesus has called me to be. That's, that's where I'm going. And so this is really refreshing for the Corinthians when they think about power and being strong and being, you know, well, or maybe thinking about nobility, thinking about their wisdom, thinking about their strength, thinking about achievements. And, and Paul's talking about power and he links power to submission. He links power to the cross. He links power to letting go. What he's linking power to is actually faith in Jesus. At the beginning of one of the lockdowns, who knows what number we're on now, um, Tim's shared something really powerful with the um, staff team. And he, he said, uh, we're not a church of presentation. We're not supposed to be a church of presentation. Yeah, we care about grabbing people's attention, but not to make it about us. And Tim was giving us back then even a posture check, an ego check. And what we found through that time is actually we don't want to be a church about presentation and we don't want to be a church that just thinks about Sundays as well, by the way. We're a church that thinks about family. But we're a church about his presence. We're a church about his people. And here you have Paul Fear and trembling, but he preaches with conviction Christ and him crucified. Now, I know we're not all called to be preachers, and, and but we're all called. It says here, remember who you were when you were called. God has called each and every one of us. And I just want to inspire, encourage you with this one story. When I, In my journey of working for Wellspring Church, at least, there was a point where I was... Um, trying or employed to be a children's worker i was a youth worker and they added children's work to the role and i remember (laughs) i don't have any training in kids work um i may be a big kid but actually i i don't have my own kids back then um i have no training and i just remember being asked by god but would you love would you choose to love And uh, the, the challenge was to go and speak in the local school, which, praise God, has opened up in the infants, but I was going to the juniors back then. And I remember going in, one of the first ones, feeling so weak, feeling like I'm not good at this, I don't know how to do it. But I just remember saying, oh, I love these children. I care. I felt God's heart hit me with his love for them. And that helped me overcome It was in my weakness that I was strong. It was in my weakness that I stepped out. It was in my weakness that I was filled with hope. Because it wasn't about me. It was about God. It was about having faith in him. And so today, guys, as we come to respond to this word, knowing it's all about God's grace, it's not about us, when we learn that power isn't about something we grab hold of and hold tightly and muscle our way in for. Not according to God's way. So it's about giving over. It's about surrendering. It's actually having the power to have freedom to say, you can have it your way. The power to prefer the brother or the sister. The power to say, when you're told to walk one mile, in a way, don't no, I'll walk two miles. The power to turn the other cheek. The power that nobody has power over you apart from the Holy Spirit in His presence. To prefer His presence over your presentation, over how you look. And so I say that as a church family as well. Personally, let's prefer God, but as a church family, let's prefer His presence and His people over anything that we could look like. And so that the response we have today: how could we not take communion? together there's no better place to have an ego check to have a self-awareness moment than sharing in the Lord's meal together in a house of grace in a family of grace and let the Lord's power be at work at you through the weakness of coming humbling towards him There was actually an issue to do with the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians, and I'm sure we'll actually dedicate a sermon to it later. But I thought this would be a good place for us to ready ourselves. In chapter 11, verse 23, this is what Paul says On the night he was betrayed, that is Jesus, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's just take a moment now. You can prepare your elements. There should be around the seats. It's okay, we'll take it together. Don't worry, you don't need to rush. In the same way, after supper... He took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Don't take it yet. We'll take it in just a moment. There's some words of warning, words of guidance that follow this. Paul says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Mm. Let's take a moment now, church. in in honesty before the Lord to examine ourselves I just want to share that God doesn't want to humiliate you I share that story at the start about basketball where I felt humiliated actually the Lord wants us just to turn our eyes on him the reason I felt humiliation is because I was looking at myself actually what God helped me see is well why don't you look at Matthew wow, amazing so whatever maybe struggle or difficulty that's going on, you like, maybe there's a difficulty relationally you have. Maybe this is a chance for God to say, stop looking at yourself. Look at the cross, look at him. And maybe God would lead you to look at that person in a way that would be different from how you first saw them. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now We invite you to come and have your complete way in our thinking, in our processing, in our self-examination. Holy Spirit, come and minister deeply to our hearts. Have your way. You are welcome. Lord God, no door closed to you. You have access to everything, Lord. And even the things that are forgotten or maybe things we've been running away from, Holy Spirit, In your kindness, would you lead us to a place where we can repent and deal with those things in the righteous way before you? We thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross for us. We thank you that we are forgiven by your blood. And we thank you, Lord, that you've made a way. You chose a way that we could have a relationship with you, that it is solely and completely because of you that we can have life in all its fullness with you. I ask your forgiveness on this church house, Lord God, for any direction we've taken that's been without faith. And I ask that you'd kindly restore us back onto the journey, onto the path that you're calling us towards. I pray for your righteousness. I pray for your holiness and your redemptive work to continue (coughs) in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Let's take the bread and juice together. If you still want to take time to self-reflect, please, that's absolutely fine. Do not rush what the Spirit is doing. The band are going to continue to minister. And uh, in a while later, I'll ask if anybody needs any prayer, wants any prayer, then we can make time for that. Father, we just say more of you and less of ourselves. Amen.